Grace, mercy, peace. From God, our Father, and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text comes from the Old Testament where where Isaiah has the word of the Lord that he's giving to a people in exile, a people far from home, a people who are lost. And he says the words of God, God calling out, listen to me, all you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, Sarah, who bore you. And I'm going to skip through some verses because the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts her, all her waste places. And he makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Give attention to me, my people. Give ear, my nation. For the law will go out from me. And I will set justice as a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out. My salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. You know how it goes. Cover your eyes. Count to whatever number. We usually counted to 100. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100. Ready or not, here I come. And the game begins. The drama, the suspense, the looking, the not finding. If you've done a good job hiding and the seeking, oh, the frustrating seeking, because you look and they're not there. But if you've hidden well, you can sometimes peek from your hiding place and watch whoever is it, look with frustration from place to place, for the fun is not being found, stealing the occasional glance to see the one who's it go about befuddled. But not so with our God. Today, God calls out to those who are looking. Listen, he says. Listen to me, you pursuers of righteousness. God's delight is not with us being confused, frustrated, and aimless, not in hiding. But God seeks us and makes us his redeemed children. Rather than hide from us, God calls out, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. And we beam back to Isaiah's day. Are are there really people back then who were seeking the Lord? They didn't have a very good track record. For chapter after chapter after chapter, God outlines their idolatry. He calls them to repentance. He warns of impending doom. And the people turned their blind eye until they were carried away in exile and they couldn't find him. They experienced their desperation and their despair. They were lost. Our world takes a great deal of time helping us understand our physical health and how important it is diet and exercise and and making sure your health is maintained. Our world understands emotional health and and how we need to take care of ourselves and, and find that joy in our life. But the world does not understand 
our spiritual health. It doesn't understand that we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts that can only be filled perfectly and completely by a triune God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ and scripture. If we don't try or we don't get that part completed and we try and fill it in with other things, it's just not going to work. We say, ready or not, and we look and look until we're just ready to give up because nothing fits that God-shaped hole other than a triune God. Without having any idea where to look, we know that emptiness. Augustine famously wrote, Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. The Lord's people at this point were longing. They were longing for him. They were in that wilderness and they were barren in a desert God seemed far off and my rule of thumb is if God seems far off it's not he who moved because he is the same yesterday today and tomorrow forever if God seems far off perhaps we better assess what we are where we are and who we are if we feel alone as if we don't belong we hear the words of God Because left on our own, we could never find him. I love the small catechism's explanation when it says, I cannot, or I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in God or follow him. But the power of the Holy Spirit does this. To our aimlessness, the Lord calls out, Look to the rock, the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham and Sarah. God points us to a lifeless couple in that they were too old to have children, and yet his promise goes out. Rogers City is known for being the world's largest open pit limestone quarry, and it is spectacular. I've been there at twilight after the sun has set as the lights are coming on and, and you could be on the moon. It is one color of rock, craters where they've dug and it goes on as far as the eye can see. There's nothing living and nothing moving. It's dead. It's a wilderness. And considering that, God has taken this couple, Sarah uh, and Abraham, as good as dead, old and barren, and God called to them, making a promise that he would make them. His uh, children as numerous as the stars in the sky or as sands, reeds of sands on the beach. God's people are hewn from dead rocks like that. Like Isaiah's people, we were dead in our sins. We couldn't win at hiding or seeking God. So God makes the dead alive. That's what he does. That's the reason for Christ himself coming into this world, taking upon himself our sin, dying for his payment for that sin, and then rising again to let us know the victory of forgiveness by baptism Christ's death and resurrection 
is ours. St. Paul would say in baptism, we're not just baptized into the death of Jesus. We are baptized into his resurrection and we will live forever. God doesn't wait to be found. God finds us. And God continues to call us through his word. Our text says in verse 4 that the law will go out from me. Really the word is Torah, the Torah. And, and we can talk about the law of God and yeah, it accuses us. But it's the fullness of the proclamation of God which includes gospel. And so probably best understood is God's word will go out from me. God's word, accusing us of our sin but letting us know forgiveness, will come and then through us that word will go out as light into a sin-darkened world. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and has given us a salvation that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Look to Abraham and Sarah. No more dead rock, no more barren wilderness, God brings a renewal and a new creation. Isaiah's hearers remembered Israel's wandering in the wilderness. They, they knew that wilderness was a place of marginalization and difficulty. God needed to carry his people to a promised land. and God would do that. That's what Isaiah's promise is. After 70 years, they would be brought back, but it would still be an oppression. The Persian, exile, the Persian Empire would still be over them. But when God talks about bringing us through the wilderness, he talks about it in an eternal sense of a new heaven, a new earth, a new Eden. We are now living in the wilderness between our baptism and the last day. God bursts forth to comfort us. Comfort here means restoration. Just as God spoke and Eden happened, God speaks, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we are restored. And God carries us until he comes again to restore creation even better, the image of utter transformation and renewal. Ready or not, here I come. Here's some good hiding places. But if you've ever played hide-and-seek with a young child, a four-year-old doesn't hide very well. And even when they are hidden and you pretend to look other places, they bounce out and say, here I am. Because it's the joy of being found and life is all giggles. God loves being found. The joy of finding his salvation is a joy that changes our lives every day. The seeking is not the point, for we have a God who makes himself found, who reaches out to those who are dead in sin and makes them alive in Christ, who brings them, his children, to be with him forever. Amen.